0: Mark A. Altman, Darren Doctorman, Ashley Edward Miller. Three fans who became professionals and then became Trexperts. Inglorious Trexperts. Listen wherever you find podcasts or go to trexpertsplus.com.
1: Hey, this is Mark Altman of Inglorious Trexperts in the 430 movie. And if you're a fan of our podcast, you don't want to miss Deck 78. Available now by subscribing at trexpertsplus.com. This is a bonus podcast full of great discussions about popular culture, film, and television. Here's a sneak peek. Um, Shatner is a guest star in one of the episodes. Yeah, he's yeah. one of the villains, right? Uh, yes. And Roy freaked out because he didn't want to the association between Sequest and Star Trek. Oh man! man. man. <laughs> um, yes. Yeah, you know, look for me. Shatter's one of the great ham actors of all time. Of course, you know he's just spectacular to watch, and you should be pleased he's here. He's not playing Captain Kirk,
2: you know, but uh, it was, you know, you had to placate that, and then the earthquake, uh, that big uh, Northridge earthquake. Yeah, you know, it shut us down for a couple of days. We came back, and we're shooting. Uh, we're setting up to shoot on, on stage, and somebody hits the lights for the production, and there's stuff floating in the air. You know, the big particles of whatever. I don't know what it is. And then the, the door stage door opens, and guys in hazmat suits come in. Oh, yeah. Oh, no. Oh, no. And, I, and I, they won't tell me what they're looking for. Oh, everything's yeah. going uh-huh. Why are you win that suit. Everything's fine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I call Tom Thayer and they won't put me through to him. So I shut down the show for the day. I said, we're done. We're going to stop for the day because I'm not going to be a part of poisoning everybody here. No. And I got called on the carpet for that. Said, you guys should be giving me an award for this. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> nobody's going to get cancer. I cleared the place. But... it. Uh, it was an interesting experience.
1: Okay. I remember being on the junket for it, and uh, they made a big deal out of, this isn't science fiction. This is science fact. And you know, <laughs> basically, and, and, uh, and uh, Roy is, um, he's like Jack Cousteau. <laughs> it's like, what? I Roy was we debate, And we, you know, I we try to, you know, sort of feather that at the end of the show with uh, Bob Bell saying, you know, "Yeah, thirty seconds on something that's actually mean something." <laughs> right, right, right.
2: And, you know, uh, there were people on the show who couldn't stand having him there. We're not, we're not doing public television. This is an educational. Uh, it's it, it, you
0: know the balance. Yeah. it's a, it's a sad thing that uh, that Scheider was uh, was. Uh, Leery of uh, being on TV because that now that stigma doesn't exist anymore. Yeah. But you oh, no, know, it was it huge was back then. Oh, I know, yeah. I know it was. But uh, you know, huge actors are doing
1: TV now. Yeah, and De Niro uh, just announced yeah. his, uh, was announced as a lead in a Netflix series. Yeah, did, that's, did that's with... new show's
3: debuting. Yeah. Fubar. Did,
1: did you oh deal God. with um, Spielberg at all? Did he know he had this TV show on the air? Like, was he <laughs> um, ever involved? Yeah, I, I, I didn't deal with him much. He was in Poland. He came back. He was. Uh, he devoted some time to us, a little bit, but
2: not yeah. to the degree you you, you would like. Um, right. I remember the first time he came into the writer's room and we're talking, and he's staring at Bob Ingalls. <laughs> he said, you were in the show last
1: night. So he was watching it. That's good. So yeah, it wasn't commensurate he, with what he was getting paid. No. But you know what? He did,
2: He's a guy who, it's it's hard to argue with him because he, kn- he literally knows everything about yeah. yeah. He just does. I mean it's a compendium of of knowledge that maybe Scorsese knows more. I don't know, but
0: were it, there were there ever any edicts to shoot on location in the Dive restaurant in Century City?
1: Uh <laughs> Spielberg that and Castor Bridge restaurant. That didn't happen. That didn't happen. The, uh, <laughs> That's really funny. Good uh, fries. Um did we? And then, and then Roy had had enough, and, and Michael Ironside comes in for the last season. Were you? Had you had there. enough? You I, were gone I, by I, then. I was just there for the first. I, I was there for the first season. I moved it to Florida. Ended the second season, and I I
2: went off to do other things. Yeah, yeah. I think you know. It. I felt like the people that uh, I'm. I'm guessing. Ambien. Uh, the executives insisted on doing the show. So they could walk to the set from uh, the ambulance offices. Sure. It should. They had a great facility in Florida that wasn't being used. It had all the things you want in a show about being underwater that you could access within 10 minutes of where you are, certainly within the zone and shoot underwater. There's a place called Weeki Wachee. I don't know if you guys know that, but mm-hmm. there's a mermaid show there. It's crystal clear spring waters, and they have a theater underwater with, you know, glass that must span 30, 40 feet and wow. twelve and high looking out onto the water. You, it, you could have done so much there, but they didn't want to do that. You know, it was, uh, it's a
1: lot of hubris on the part of a lot of people who wear suits and ties. Yeah, yeah, that happened. That's for sure. So subscribe today at trekspertsplus.com and don't miss a single episode of Deck 78. Fire the Rockets. Hey, this is Mark A. Altman, one of the co-hosts of Inglorious Trexperts. And if you're a Trek fan, you owe it to yourself to pick up the 50-year mission, the complete, uncensored oral history of Star Trek. It's available wherever you buy books, digital, or audio. And speaking of books... Check out my new book about the making of John Wick. They shouldn't have killed his dog. Also available wherever you buy your books. You see a pattern happening here? Well, what are you waiting for? Get on it.
4: Council has no hesitation in proclaiming you all guilty. guilty,
1: guilty, guilty, guilty. Hey, this is Mark A. Altman, and welcome back to the 430 movie for Guilty, Guilty, Guilty <laughs> Pleasures Revenge <laughs> of the guilty. guilty. And as always we have your guiltiest of guilty hosts and some of you should be guilty for some of your picks um on monday it's steve melching
3: Uh, only the penitent man shall
1: pass (laughs) tuesday darren doctorman yeah i got nothing i'm just here on tuesday (laughs) on wednesday it's the guiltiest to sin ashley edward miller i swear your honor i didn't know the cat was dead and on Thursday, it's me, Mark A. Altman. And welcome back to another episode of The 430 Movie, where we curate fantasy theme weeks of classic movies. And this is a return to the scene of the crime. We've done two guilty pleasure episodes. Some of our most popular episodes have been our guilty pleasure episodes. And Steve, why did not you remind us what our picks were for Guilty Pleasures 1?
3: Guilty Pleasures 1. Well, my pick was Arnold Schwarzenegger's Commando. Uh, Darren, I wonder if Darren remembers his. Darren's was Masters of the Universe. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, Ashley's was Howard the Duck. Of course it was. Uh, Mark A. Altman's was Tough Guys Don't Dance. Oh, man. Oh, God. Oh, man. (laughs) (laughs) And Friday, our group pick was Life Force. Wow. Yes, it was.
1: Yeah, and then uh, we returned uh, on January 5th, 2021 with uh, our, our our sequel episode, Guilty Pleasures 2. Steve, <laughs> do you remember what you picked that day?
3: I picked uh, the Wachowskis' Speed Racer. Wow, that's uh, right. Darren picked Hans Christian Andersen. Mm-hmm. Ashley Edward Miller picked Roadhouse. The greatest movie ever made. Mark A. Altman picked Looker. But only for the song. She, she's <laughs> a gonna... to And uh, Friday was Halloween 3, Season of The Witch. Wow. Wow. Well, how are we going to find any new movies for this
1: week? Because clearly we exhausted all the guilty pleasures that exist. <laughs> no doubt.
3: The bottom shall be scraped.
1: We'll sorry. We'll a lot know. of people say, some people no. say, that there is no such thing as a guilty pleasure. That if you love a movie, then there's nothing to be guilty about. I don't know if I buy that, Steve. What do you think?
3: Well, I mean, I don't know. A lot of my, a lot of movies I love watching. I don't think are good movies, and and I remember coming to that realization uh, when I was in in film school. Um, I realized that, you know what, I, you know, it's okay to love a bad movie, just as it's okay to not like a great movie. But if I think it's important to be able to acknowledge the difference, you know, to be able to acknowledge like, this is a brilliant movie. I don't really like watching it Mm -hmm. or this is, this is not a good movie, but God damn it. I love it. And I don't know. I think we all have different definitions of what makes a guilty pleasure. And uh, I, for speaking for myself, I, I think of it as, as a kind of a cinematic comfort food or junk food. It's, it's a movie that I have an attachment to maybe because of the time when I saw it, maybe the person that I saw it with, or you know, just 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 something about it connects to an emotion that that See, makes me feel good about watching it.
1: To me, a, 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 a guilty pleasure is a movie that I know is terrible, but I love it anyway. That's my definition of guilty <laughs> pleasure. Darren, what about you? How how do you look at a, a guilty pleasure? What's my
0: you? my guilty pleasure definition is a film that. A bunch of people consider terrible, mm. but that I don't. Right, mm. for whatever reason, mm-hmm. uh, whether, and it's, whether it's an considers- enjoyment level or uh, whether it's just uh, a
1: stupid reason. And, and and for for Ashley, a guilty pleasure is Wednesday. No, no. With
5: Darren's definition, honestly, uh, to me, a guilty pleasure emphasis on the on the pleasure. Then I feel like it's something that is maligned for one reason or another. Or I can look at it and say, well. Yeah, it's not the best made movie in the history of mankind. But on the other hand, what would you rather watch? A movie that is incredibly well produced and bespoke and well put together and is totally boring. (laughs) and You'd never want to watch again. Or a movie that like kind of flies by the seat of its pants, barely holds together. But good Lord, you had fun and you enjoy watching again and again. I mean, obviously, I think we'd all take the latter.
1: Yeah, yeah. No, look, I, I think there's a reason that people love these, these weeks, these Guilty Pleasure Weeks, and I have to say it was a gratifying uh, because I thought we were a little out there last week. We did uh, Movies of the Week week, and the re- response to that has been <laughs> terrific. Uh, people really, uh, really, really uh, responded to that. And in fact, it was suggested, I guess somebody had uh, said their pick, jokingly, their pick for Saturday, and I thought... Wouldn't it be interesting, perhaps, if we do a fan favorite for Saturday? Maybe it's a way we could poll people, or whether it's on social or just do Saturday picks, which would be, you know, where we we get, we listen to what the fans say and then we pick it or something. I don't mm-hmm. know, just something to think about. I mean, maybe I'm you're gonna, not interested. I'm gonna play uh, uh, Mark Altman right now and say,
0: look, if they want to have a podcast, good for them. But this is our podcast, and there are picks. We we can certainly we can certainly listen to their suggestions, but we don't need to put them on our podcast. That's so funny. You sound just like me. um, (laughs) But
3: but but that said, I just want to say I love hearing our listeners' uh, reactions online. It's absolutely fine, and I love hearing their picks. And for example, we recently did when animals attack week, uh, and a couple of our listeners recommended a movie called Roar. Which I recommended then- it on the show. Oh, okay, well, <laughs> other other listeners also. <laughs> they was were more compelling, Darren. And I, I bought the Blu-ray and I watched it, and oh yeah. my god, I'm so it's glad insane. I watched that movie. It is bonkers. Yeah. yeah. So thank you, Darren, and listeners for recommending <laughs> that movie.
1: <laughs> well, look, I, I, it's funny because I, I I'm, I'm in a, in a different position than you would expect me to be. I actually disagree with it, Darren. I think that we have a very discerning and wise listenership for this that week to week often makes excellent choices uh suggestions so i I, i'm more open to hearing what people think about the fourth some of them are in maybe then it's
5: (laughs) worth it sometimes if you know somebody has responded to to one of the weeks that's
1: just dropped and they had it stands out absolutely if it stands out okay okay um, okay fair enough because I'm very defensive about uh, the, the the other podcast. I have no, I don't care at all what they think about <laughs> on Trek-sports. I'm not none no interest. But uh, but on this podcast, I actually am interested in what the audience has to say because I think that they're uh, you know uh, like I said very well versed in, in in movies and sometimes bring attention to movies we hadn't thought of or we glossed over, and I I enjoy hearing that because. It's a way of keeping the conversation going, which is which is good. Because that, you, as you know, that's one thing I hate. It's like you know, whenever somebody is uh, in an article, they write about something. And they say, "Well, what do you think?" Well, I, I'm the reading. I'm reading you for your expertise. I'm not <laughs> interested in what I'm interested in. What you think is the journalist, not as what everyone else thinks. Who cares? And and, and sometimes you know, I'm curious. I'll, I'll read like. What the people like respond. And I'm like, oh, these people are morons. What do what, I, what, what they think? Who cares what they think? Anyway,
0: i remember so, that when this becomes a democracy.
1: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So uh, anyway, but I do, I do think I, I've been very impressed with uh, some of the stuff that we're seeing on, uh, on social. But okay. So this is, um, an, our guilty pleasures three week. It's, you know, as we know, often these trilogies go off the rails with the third film. Uh, So I hope that won't be the case today on uh, 430 Movie. As always, we start with Monday with uh, the good Boy Scout, who's always prepared, Stephen (laughs) Not the last Boy Scout. (laughs) Uh,
3: I was a Boy Scout, though. Were were any of you guys Boy Scouts, by the way? I was a week low for a week and a half. Wow. (laughs) I was a A, Cub Scout. I was a a a Boy Scout.
1: Because Ashley. you know the problem with being a Boy Scout is it made you got to go on nature.
3: Yeah, you have to go yeah, out That's
1: my make... problem.
5: I like I made it to Tenderfoot <laughs> in the Boy Scouts. I hate outside. I was like, you know what, guys, <laughs> this camping shit sucks. I don't like oh, peeing no. in the middle of the night when it's cold sure out do. in the freaking you know into the fire. That's you know, the like, only part of it that do I
3: like. you know, like setting up a tent in the rain, or worse, no. breaking down a tent in the rain. Oh, that's good times. Or leaving the I like being at the movies.
1: I like being inside
3: popcorn, <laughs> you know,
1: bunch of cruncha, uh, you know, uh, nice, uh, the flickering in the dark bunch of <laughs> <laughs> choice. You no, know, no, that was more my, my, my speed. I, I had, I had, I, I had my experiences out there in the woods with the the thing and I, I did not
3: like it. It's not for me, <laughs> not for me. I, I liked it until I hit about age 14. And I'm like, yeah, I think I'm done. Mm. I think I'm done. Yeah, anyway, when I was yeah. Good yeah, well, okay. show, guys. Yeah, yeah we're right. not doing the great the great outdoors week.
1: Maybe maybe some other idea. Yeah, that's
0: true.
1: We should do that. We 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 should. Oh oh, I showed uh t- you know on Saturday I, we do a family uh, family movie. I showed them Rushmore this week. Ah. Oh, very well liked, very well well very well received. Okay, so Steve, hit us with Monday.
3: So Monday Monday uh Monday I'm gonna take us back in time to the summer of 1984 a uh a really a banner year for uh for geek cinema possibly second possibly only to 1982 which i think we agree is probably the finest year of geek Even cinema. the greatest geek year ever yes. you could say that <laughs> but 1984 had some you know gr- some terrific sequels and some great uh, you know, new f- films that launch franchises. We're talking, you know, Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. We got your Ghostbusters. You got Gremlins, Star Trek III, The Search for Spock. You've got Karate Kid. You should, Kid. Stop, you should stop, stop naming movies. I'm setting the tone. Yeah,
0: well, yeah, but still.
3: Okay. Well, nobody, <laughs> why are you picking Star Trek III? <laughs> <laughs> what is wrong with you? Okay, keep going, Steve. Well, that was all I was going to say for reason, of Course. right in the middle, on June 29th, came a movie starring someone who was the star of one of my other guilty pleasure picks, Arnold Schwarzenegger. And I'm talking about Conan the Destroyer. In an age when
4: only the strongest survived and only the ruthless triumphed, only one name became a legend. Man, the destroyer. In his first adventure, he fought alone.
6: It is written that a woman child must make a perilous journey. I want you to take her on that journey.
4: Now he joins a wizard.
6: What are they going to do? Have lunch. Warrior. There are six of them against.
4: One, two, three. A renegade. I think you're right. And a princess. Together. They are sent by a treacherous queen. Across the lands of hostile kingdoms to solve the mystery of an ancient race and seek the power of a phantom city
5: you're afraid of magic
4: when it comes from evil this will come anyway the horn of dagoth the destroyer of worlds the god will live again enough talk If they cannot seize the horn in time, the world will be plunged into eternal darkness. Grace Jones, Wilt Chamberlain, Mako, Sarah Douglas, and Arnold Schwarzenegger as Conan the Destroyer. new adventures of the most powerful legend of them all.
3: Ah. Wow. Um, I didn't see that one coming. Yes, this, this movie was directed by the great uh, Richard Fleischer, who directed 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea and The and Fantastic Voyage. And I just want to stop you
1: there, Steve. We would have known about that had Ashley and Darren actually asked Sarah Douglas about Conan Destroyer <laughs> during their interview with her at GalaxyCon, <laughs> <laughs> but they did not. Oh, you know why? We were saving it for someone who
0: didn't make it to the panel.
1: (laughs) (laughs) The slings of arrows of outrageous fortune. Oh, my (laughs)
3: gosh. So anyway, anyway, Conan the Destroyer, written by uh, Stanley Mann, who wrote uh, a really terrific little movie called The Collector. Um, Mr. uh, Mann. Also wrote The Mouse That Roared. He was mansplaining. And and Meteor. You bet it's Uh, Meteor. From a story by Roy it's Thomas Robert and e. Jerry Conway, who are legendary comic book writers. Uh, it was produced by Rafaela De Laurentis, who, you know, we all know, produced the first Conan and do The good one. Dragonheart, yes. Uh, and the director of photography was Jack freaking Cardiff, who was the yeah, DP uh-huh. on Black Narcissus and The Red yeah. Shoes and The African Queen and uh, yeah. War and Peace. Old school. Old school, incredible uh, DP music returning uh, to do the score was Basil Polidorus who did, you know, uh, basically, it was basically kind of the same, the same thing he did before. Yeah, it's yeah. the same. Score oh, I gotta stop movie. you there. I, it's a
1: great score. If there's one good thing about this movie, is the score. Now he does riff on the first movie, but there's some great new themes in this. And Entrada just put out a deluxe two disc edition that I listen to constantly. It's terrific. Okay, it's, well, it's not as good as the first score, but it's fantastic. He, did, yeah. he
3: does recycle a lot of the themes, and they're brilliant themes, and I love hearing them in this movie too. But. um uh, you know, I, the, the, the holdovers from the first first movie. And and of course, it stars, you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger is back as Coney on the Barbarian. Grace Jones, uh, you know, a, a, kind of a, a iconic 80s presence. Grace Jones, Wilt Chamberlain, the basketball player, is in it? Uh, Mako returns uh, as the sorcerer playing basically the same character, but with a different name, inexplicably uh you mentioned sarah douglas as like oh. the evil the sexy evil queen she all was right. great uh uh pat roach uh you know for we all know from uh in the indiana jones movies and uh and olivia diabo who yes. uh, it was luminous uh, luminous and her costumes i just want to thank the costume designer for her costumes launched uh, a lot of great fantasies in my oh my but um so this is a not movie. Nothing to feel that guilty was, about, Steve. <laughs> no. So this movie was made for eighteen million dollars. It made about thirty, uh, not uh, you know significantly less than the first movie. I think they were hoping to uh, to really launch uh, a bigger franchise with this movie by uh, toning down the violence and and sex content. Uh, it was downgraded from an R. You know, the, the first movie was R rated. This movie was initially R rated, but they sufficiently cut it down to get a, a pg rating this was just before the pg-13 rating uh was uh, was introduced and uh for some reason like i i i really liked the first movie and at the time this is the movie that i ended up watching more than the first movie and i i think this is I, your I, superman 2 yeah, I had it on uh, VHS tape, and it was just one of those movies that I like to put in and watch. It was it was good background music, and and I think one of the main reasons I I always responded to this movie uh, more so than the first one at the time was that uh, I was really into Dungeons and Dragons during that period, playing the game and and being a dungeon master. And this movie feels like a D and D movie a lot more than the first one because you've got you know a party of adventurers. You got your barbarian, you got your wizard, you got your thief, you got your, you know, your other, your your warrior characters, and they're sent on a quest to retrieve something. And, the horn
1: of something or other. Yeah. And okay, uh, I got to ask you, Steve, because yeah. this has nothing to do with tonight's show. Did you see the new Dungeons and Dragons movie? I did. It's good, isn't it? It was entertaining. Yeah. Yeah. And it's I enjoyed fun. It. I can't it, believe it's like not, it's underperforming.
3: It really isn't felt like, Playing a D&D game, all the kind of goofing around and the fun, it it, it felt like a and d game. It didn't have that, you know, overly grim, dark, you know, mm-hmm. uh, feeling that the previous attempts had. Yeah,
1: I thought it was really fun. I, I, I went in with very little expectation and I thought it was it was terrific, especially, you know, it wasn't that expensive. As you mentioned, the previous movies were terrible. And uh I thought that they did a great job with it. Ashley, you must have seen it. You're a big DM oh, yeah, guy. Of course. of course. No,
5: I think my favorite part of that was uh was when they were doing their little test and they were up against the uh, the kids from the animated <laughs> show. <laughs> yes. And without yeah. commenting on it. That was the best part. Like they didn't hang a bell on it. You just had to know what you were looking at. And
3: if you did, it was a delight. And and they did something in the movie that was that happens, I think. More than once in any long-running D D campaign, where your your party has has finished their quest and and escaped and had a close escape, and as they're leaving, something worse happens, and they realize that we should probably go back and help that. Mm. Uh, and they put it in work. Like, ah, shit. Yeah, you yeah. yeah. had that great moment where you yeah. have to yeah. go
1: back. It's fun. It's fun. So, uh, uh, Conan the Destroyer uh steve's obviously a big tracy walter fan it was a staple of 80s cinema um <laughs> in the uh in the movie um wow that's an interesting but it's, pick.
3: Just, it's just a fun movie you know like arnold schwarzenegger is just a you know a, a great screen presence in anything that he's in and it um, seems
1: to be a recurring theme with your guilty pleasure picks yeah, pick I've, Commando. Always a,
3: I've always had a soft spot for arnold um you know he's a uh, He's a movie star, you know he's he's got ma- magnetism, personality and and a, and a sense of humor. He doesn't take himself as seriously as someone like Stallone. Well, you know Steve, compared to Arnold, all your spots are soft. <laughs> yeah.
5: <laughs> you know what I think it is yeah. because I I kind of look I, I I can't say that I love uh, Conan the Destroyer, but I also fully understand what you're talking about, why you respond to that movie in the in the way that you did. Because Conan the Barbarian is a is a saga. It's an epic, right? It's this very dark revenge movie. That is set in this grim, brutal place. Like it basically invented grimdark for film, and uh, and Conan the Destroyer is an adventure movie. Yeah, it's fun and it's consumable, um, and you know it isn't it isn't trying to provoke anything other than the reaction of oh that was really entertaining. And there's value in that. There's nothing wrong with that. It just has a completely different objective.
1: Well, look, here's the thing. I think you know obviously conan is 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 taken from the pages of Robert E. Howard and the the Frisetta stuff and you know and and the, the Roy Thomas stuff. and it was like always like really dark and blood soaked and 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 uh uh and and ultimately, what happened was, you know, Dino, as you alluded to, um thought that the original Conan would have made a lot more money had it been a PG rather than an R. He felt the R was what held it back. and of course, because you know, even though it was an R, also sword and a sorcerer ended up making more money that summer than Conan. So w- when they did the sequel, he was adamant that it be PG. And I think that was a huge mistake. Conan is not a PG property. It shouldn't be a PG property. And it was so it's so watered down, you know, and it's so goofy. And, you know, Richard Fleischer, obviously great director. He did, you know, 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea, the Vikings. Um, but it, you know there's just not a, a lot about that movie that i like a little miscast um, in the directorial department and you know and then i hate stunt <laughs> casting like you know wilta stilt uh you know who's just not an actor um you know being thrown into to the movie but it's interesting you talk about being an adventure and i i can see that uh it, it, it but obviously didn't make much of an impression on sarah because one of my last pieces of advice to um Darren and uh, Ashley, when I couldn't do the Sarah Douglas panel, I said, look, guys, whatever you do, just make sure you talk to her about, you know, obviously you can talk about Superman 2, but make sure you talk about Conan the Destroyer also. And they actually asked her before they went on stage, and what did she say? She said, oh, don't ask me about that. I can't remember it. <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> but she probably wasn't on it for more than three or four days. I mean, you know, I think she was primarily in the that one one or two sets. Yeah, she yeah. she wasn't in any
0: scenes with uh, Will Chamberlain. Yeah, <laughs> or was
3: she? <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. But it's a you know it's a movie that I will never defend as a good movie. It's a goof. Right. It's a goof. It's a it's fun to watch. I love legitimately love the first movie. I think it's terrific. As Ashley said, it's a it's a great grim epic. Mm-hmm. Um, it's got a lot of heft to it, and uh, it's just br- beautifully made. You know the location work, the score, the stunts and in the sword fighting it's all really beautifully done and this one is it's just a a, a romp but it's i always found it fun it's got monsters it's got all the stuff that really wasn't forefront in the first movie with you know the monsters and the magic and and the, the group of adventurers trying to you know to 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 save the world so there you have it what is good in life steve Conan the Destroyer. Okay, and that
1: brings us to Tuesday and Darren Dockerman for his guilty pleasure.
0: Following along my uh, definition of guilty pleasure, I have no guilt at all for loving this movie. Um, I, uh, I it uh, it definitely does. Uh, Uh, fall into the category of lots of people say this movie is bad. Lots of people say this movie is boring. Lots of people say this movie is dumb and badly created. However, uh, I will say that even the remake that was done uh, just a few years ago of this film is not as good as this version. And I'm, of course, talking about 1984's David Lynch's Dune.
6: A beginning is a very delicate time. Know then that it is the year 10,191. In this time, the most precious substance in the universe is the spice melange. The spice extends life. The spice exists on only one planet in the entire universe. The planet is Arrakis, also known as Dune. to enter a world where the unexpected many dangers exist on arrakis the unknown and incredible secrets have been kept on this planet and the unbelievable meat i see two great houses where kingdoms are built on earth that moves
4: we have worms si, the likes of which even god has never seen skies are filled with fire. The prophecy which will cleanse the universe
6: and bring us out of darkness. Where a young warrior is called upon to free his people. A world that holds creation's greatest treasure.
5: He who controls the spice controls the universe
6: and greatest terrors. the mighty this is genocide the deliberate and systematic destruction of all life on arrakis the (laughs) bed i will kill him i will love you forever and the magical father the sleeper has awakened will have their final battle
5: show the slightest.
0: Pity or mercy? Emperor, we come for you!
6: Doom, a spectacular journey through the wonders of space and the mysteries of time. From the boundaries of the incredible to the borders of the impossible. Now, Frank Herbert's widely read, talked about, and cherished masterpiece comes to the screen. Dino DiVolentis presents Dune, a world beyond your experience, beyond your imagination.
1: Ooh. Um,
0: it is one of those films that I love to watch. It sometimes doesn't make any sense. It sometimes is a little goofy. Some of the performances are a little bit odd, but it is so enticing to watch. And I, whenever I watch it, I don't stop. I watch all the way through um, because it is fascinating. And the worlds that are created in it are unmatched. And uh, I think far more interesting than in the uh, Villeneuve uh, version just a few years ago. Um, I uh, I love watching this movie. I think that uh, Kyle McLaughlin is so fascinating in his uh, steadfast walking through this film with no change to his persona whatsoever. Um, I think it's absolutely fascinating. Uh, and uh, of course, all the supporting cast are really interesting. I mean, uh, uh, you know, uh Freddie Freddie Francis as uh as the uh the mentat. Uh what's his name? uh, uh it, it, it's uh, I a mean, Gurney Brad Gurney. No no, no no no
3: no not no Peter DeVreeze,
0: um not Peter DeVee. It's uh, it's a Master of Assassins. It's uh it's Super uh, Howat. how it thank you. <laughs> my my brain is a little addled because the, I the, enjoy the epic epic this movie so much. Yes, the <laughs> epic eyebrows. Uh all the mentats have epic eyebrows, by the way. Um mm-hmm. It's so fun, and it—you can tell that, you know. Even though uh, Lynch was going through hell making this, he was having fun, and it—it uh, it does hold together when you, you know, when you have read the book. It doesn't stray very far from the book, and I think that's amazing. That's a, that's a feat in itself. Is that it? All the scenes uh, mean the same in the movie as they do in the book. And that Apparently is it's uh, uh,
1: Dino De Laurentiis week here on the of I, I guess so, D- uh,
0: Dino De Laurentiis and nineteen
1: eighty four week. <laughs> um, right.
0: But I I love the look of it. The you know the visual effects are odd, but I forgive it because it's telling a story. And uh, you know the the wacky creatures that Carlo Rambaldi came up with. Uh, we aren't going to see the like of those third stage guild navigators <laughs> ever again. It's yeah. just so odd and I love it. Um, it's, uh, it's uh, on my top list of movies that I most enjoy watching and that's why it is my guilty pleasure.
3: Well, I, I couldn't agree more with Darren in in every way. I'm not guilty about this movie either. I've always loved it. I saw it. I want to say at least three times in the theater when Mm -hmm. it came out in 84. And, um, I had not read the books at that time and I, I was, yeah, everyone said it's so confusing. Like, I guess if you're not paying attention to what's, ha- I, I didn't have any trouble following the story. Yeah, me either. And I, I bootlegged it, uh, you know, when it came out on VHS mm-hmm. and, um, I love the, the wonderful score, the musical mm-hmm. score Oh, yeah, the, by Toto uh, yeah. yeah. out of the blue, this amazing yeah. symphonic
0: sort of, uh. Uh, electronica, strange electronica uh, guitar with the star.
5: prophecy
3: theme by brian eno that's yeah. correct. that's correct mm-hmm. it's beautiful it's beautiful mm-hmm. yeah it's, Look. and there's a there's a great uh, uh bootleg cut called the spice diver cut that yeah uh, i'm sorry is, and it, but it's a real cut now
0: because it was released on the german version of the uh 4k and it's great
3: and I, I believe you can watch it in HD on YouTube, or at least you could. That's where I you, saw it. It's, you could. I, I, I think they pulled it down. No, that's a bummer. But it was like three hours long, and used a lot, incorporated a lot of deleted scenes, and restructured mm-hmm. the film a little bit. And I, I thought it was terrific. And and there's been rumblings of late that. You know, perhaps David Lynch will be able to mention something film about,
0: He mentioned something that he might be interested. I don't think that any studio is going to put up the money for that, especially Universal. Um, but what's interesting... Restore the Lynch cut. <laughs> <laughs> what, what's interesting is that the Villeneuve movie is a remake of the Lynch movie. Yeah. Because I don't it's, know if I agree. No, it is because the, the scenes that are in the Lynch movie that aren't in the book are repeated in the Villeneuve version. It's it's very odd, and and all the structure of the Lynch uh, film is in the Villeneuve version. So uh, it's it's very interesting because I, I I know the book well. I read it like four or five times, right.
3: and he's not doing the book. He's he made the Vin- Villeneuve, regardless of whether he would admit that the Lynch. Adaptation is there. There, he's adapted the book the same way that Lynch did. Whether or not it was conscious, agree, agree. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I,
5: I hear what you're saying. I, um, I, I think it's more, it's more nuanced than that because he's, he's, he's making voice. a, he's making a fundamentally <laughs> different sort of film. And there's no question that Lynch, Lynch's movie had a, had a massive uh impact on what wound up on screen in in 2020 but by the same token that would be like saying that the batman is a remake of batman 89 because the influence the design influence and some of the other choices that tim burton made back in those first two movies like have managed to like make their way throughout the batman series no matter who like has been making those films um, that can reach back and go. Oh yeah, that was a that was a thing that was happening. Those were the kinds of choices that were made. When we're here. I mean, I'm not I'm not disputing that that there is a, a heavy influence on it, but I I don't think that, that anybody set out to kind of
0: remake the, the film. Anything- I don't think they set out to, but they did. That's what I'm saying. They didn't set out to. I mean, I, look, but I it's, it's, to it's think possible like the- it's possible that there's only one way to skin this cat. Right, like, <laughs> and look that's that possible. movie. I mean,
5: because look, we've all read that book. Or milk this cat. The uh, book. milk this <laughs> cat. You only want to milk a cat one time, <laughs> just once. That's all the chances it will give you. Look, we've all read the book. I think, um, and I think we all know that as strange as the Lynch movie was, uh, and in some ways as strange as the as the uh, the villain of the movie was, uh, the book is just stranger. And as the books go on, they get stranger still. Absolutely, yeah. And it's um, it is a tough adaptation task. God knows, um, I don't want to
0: see Lynch's version of God Emperor of Doom. Yeah. Oh
5: <laughs> wow, right? It's like, and you and you look at like what happened with the Sci-Fi Channel adaptations, which like, yeah.
0: oh no, they were so much.
5: No, they weren't. They're not. Um, they just they just weren't. Um, but look, I happen to to love this movie in any incarnation, I was convinced one of you two clowns was gonna pick it. Uh, (laughs) Because I was like, oh, I could pick it. And I was like, "Nope, (laughs) Steve or Darren are gonna get there. Uh, It's gonna happen, it's just reality. Um, But I love that score, man. That made such an impression on me. You know, and it just has just stuck with me forever. Uh, I mean, my composer could just tell you, oh, yeah, that was one of the things that Ashley pointed at and said, do that. But don't do that. Um, uh, You know, I love the design of that film. I love the audacity of it. I loved, um, you know, just how kind of uh, tactile the design was. It's like, look, it's one thing to be... Um, you know, uh, Ridley Scott making Alien, and it's kind of a dirty, lived-in science fiction universe, right? It is another thing entirely to be David Lynch in your making a movie where people have goop just sort of dripping out of them, and they have, like, little ports in their bodies, and they float
0: around, and they're all
5: disgusting.
0: and. But also, speedo. definite different planets and different cultures right. that are depicted- Exactly that that are depicted, uh, you know, completely cohesively. And And I'm afraid to be insane, right? Right. Just,
5: and even things as simple as, um, uh, you know, Alicia Witt, uh, who is just a a lovely, lovely person um, and a great actress. She is insanely good in that film. And has like one of the- At age, what, six? Yeah, (laughs) and she's so creepy. Yeah. just like, it's raining on Arrakis. And I'm like, you terrify me, girl. Uh, you know, she and- was she was dubbed, but oh, so still. well, still. <laughs> she was still crazy Look, like the, the
0: production designer of this Tony Masters was the production designer on 2001 a Space Odyssey. He was brilliant then and he's brilliant in this because it takes a very specific skill. To sort of delineate these different worlds and make them uh, make them work together and uh, amongst themselves, and uh, you know, this is the guy on his last day working for Kubrick on 2001. They said, "Well, you know, we need a uh, we need a, a landing uh, port for the uh, for the moon shuttle." and he he sits down takes a piece of paper scratches it out and there it is and it's exactly what they built so it's it's just a, a talent that uh unfortunately we lost him a few
3: years ago but um it's a, it's a beautiful movie and I, I just want to add also for all the you know what you we think of as the lynchian aspects of the movie the the grossness the weirdness the darkness mm-hmm. there's another strain that runs through Lynch's films, which is this—I um, uh, just blanked on the word. This um, this earnestness mm-hmm. that always runs through his films. This there's a certain humanity or, or innocence or earnestness. That, I see the truth in it. A, yeah, that makes it unique. Like he's never like too cool for school. There's always that sort of corny, you know, boy scoutishness. Yeah, yeah Lynch was a was a was an eagle scout um so you I, I you you always got a little flavor of that in his movies I, f- yeah. I find anything else because i thought you might have forgot to tell us something
1: <laughs> <laughs> um i uh i i'm gonna have to uh you know bring some unanimity to this whole uh Uh-oh. i love dune and i have not read the book i never read the book haven't read the book um like you i remember them giving out those little uh explainer things glossaries like, like, yeah it's mm. so dense it's so impossible to comprehend no it's no, not it's you not. just watch the movie and pay yeah. attention yeah it's very it simple actually it, it, Listen, I mean, I, are
5: constantly like letting us explaining know things are. yes <laughs> i think explaining that was cisco
1: and ebert that started that whole yeah. thing i i maybe was like oh it's impenetrable it's no, i no, don't it's very, think very either of penetrable. them sat for the whole movie honestly i i i remember the tooth and I just, I I think it's great. I think, you know, I love David Lynch. It was such a great marriage of material to the director. It's a shame that Dino, um, you know, because apparently David had a great time making the movie, had yeah. a great relationship with Dino. It wasn't till post yeah. when they recut it and all this stuff, which is, is such a shame because he basically wanted to save money so he couldn't, you know, a lot of stuff that David wanted to do, he didn't do. And it, it's such a shame because you think about what a masterpiece that could have been potentially but it, it it's it's terrific I mean Toto that score is incredible it's yeah. amazing that, <laughs> it's a nearly um, perfect score you know uh, the perform what a great ensemble Jurgen Prock now and yeah um, and, Max and, and Patrick Stewart and Max, oh, Fancito Max Fancito Fancito is great and 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 um uh uh Virginia Madsen, who's barely in it and right. Jose it's Ferrer in every way Jose's um not- you know it's just so 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 yeah, Sean Young is great in it um okay, your, suit, your suit is fitted desert fashion who told you to do it in the proper, proper way and 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 that i felt is. the same way i really liked the the, the, the villeneuve movie but i i yeah, felt I like it too. was a remake of lynch's version i i felt the same way like oh my god you know even when i saw that first trailer i'm like oh my god oh, it's yeah. the same movie <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. um but you know that's okay And and lynch managed to tell the whole story in three hours yeah. So um, uh, as opposed to uh, needing a, a second part, but um, he flipped but over it, the boat in the first twenty minutes. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it, it's a perfect—it's a perfect guilty pleasure because, of course, this is a movie that uh, people hate for some reason. That's always getting a bad rap, and, and like I say, what people say, the Sci-Fi Channel version is so much better. Like, no, it's what? not.
0: It's awful. Come it's on, this, it's a good—it's a good method to cull my friends list.
1: Uh-huh. Yeah, th- yeah. Th- 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 there you go. There you go. Okay, well, so far we have a really interesting shaping up to possibly be our greatest uh, uh, guilty pleasures week ever. Uh, Let's see, uh, Ashley, if keep it going. Or not. Well,
5: (laughs) a fish won't do anything but swim in a brook. He can't write his name or read a book. To fool the people is his only thought.
1: The incredible Um, Mr. Limpet.
5: (laughs) Exactly. Uh, And though he's slippery, he still gets caught. And if that's the sort of life that you would wish you might grow up to be a fish or you might grow up to be one of the great uh, second story men uh, of all time uh, played by Bruce Willis in Michael Lehman's Hudson Hawk. Oh! oh, I hate what it's happening. girl.
1: can I ask you a question, how do I look?
3: I just got out of jail yesterday. I didn't want to steal anything. I didn't want to go to Europe. Yeah. All I wanted was a cappuccino. Yeah. you
4: still think you're the greatest cat burglar that ever lived? You are one hell of a thief. Hudson Hawk
0: is an evil The man. I'm just some guy that's good at swiping stuff. Eddie, we're hanging off a castle in the middle of Italy, and you're asking me
6: how you look. Okay, okay, you don't got to get mad about it. You look gorgeous. You look like a Well, I didn't know. Buongiorno. Yeah, buongiorno. Maybe you could help me. I'm being blackmailed into robbing the Vatican by a psychotic American corporation and the CIA. Uh, I don't, uh... <laughs> you don't speak English?
3: You have very beautiful eyes for a man. I got a bad feeling. I can't even swim. Hell,
2: we'll oh, probably kill you.
0: Oh, I was afraid you weren't going to drop by.
2: You
0: want to know something, Eddie?
6: What? You hit like a girl! Started the week by stealing the sports stuff and ended up swiping the codex. Yeah, but what are your plans for the weekend? Hosting away the Coliseum?
3: Can't we just go back to the kissing part? oh
1: my god I knew he'd ruin the week (laughs) (laughs) ruin
5: nothing sir Uh, Hudson Hawk is just pure bananas again directed by Michael Lehman who gave us Heathers a movie that would never be made today even though it is perfect in every way and Um, whose whose
0: USC uh, graduate film was called The Beaver Gets a Boner
3: yes
0: (laughs) that's 100% true (laughs) I love that.
5: That is freaking fantastic. Uh, And a script by uh, by Daniel Waters, um, who is also just an insane uh, genius. Um, It is. It 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 kind of defies a plot description, except to say that uh, that that it is like watching a Warner Brothers Looney Tunes cartoon come. To life. Um, All of the characters (laughs) are over the top. Um, It all hinges on the relationship between uh, Bruce Willis Willis and uh, Danny Aiello, uh, who is his partner in crime. And their shtick is whenever they steal anything, they pick a song and they sing it. And that is exactly how much time they have to pull off the heist. And I just love every second of it. Um, it's how I was first exposed to songs like "Swinging on a Star or Side by Side and fell in love with that entire genre of music. In fact, like when my uh, my children were infants, like whether it was Caden or whether it was Thing One and Thing Two, um, <laughs> I, I would like, you know, my lullabies to them would be "Swinging on a Star you know, or side-by-side side or any of those things, because I knew how long it takes take him to sleep. Um, <laughs> it's, uh, it, it, you know, look, the, the plot involves um, Leonardo da Vinci, the flying machine, uh, you know, alchemy, uh, the Catholic church. Catholic girls are scary, <laughs> uh, it, you know, and, you know, agents from the Vatican, um, and, you know, even Frank Stallone, is uh is in this movie and you know what it's not an 80s movie unless frank stallone is in it except for all the 80s movies that frank stallone uh was not in um i i got to see this again like on the i know you i can just hear mark now but i, like, I got to see this again on the big screen a couple of years ago and it was like <laughs> Beverly. and i went i was like it was just it was a joy <laughs> um, and, you know, look, I can't promise you that, uh, that, you know, this is, this is going to be like one of the great cinematic experiences, uh, of your life that it is, you know, Michael Layman's best movie that it is Daniel Waters best script. Uh, Steven D'Souza, by the way, also was a accredited writer on this, um, that it is the, the ur text of any Bruce Willis movie ever made. Um, But I can tell you uh, that if you just go in and let yourself soak up like the joy uh, with which was made, I mean, my God, like, is it uh, James Coburn is in this thing as the leader of a uh, basically a a special Intel unit, um, each of whom is like named after a different sort of candy. You know, it's like there's Butterfinger and Mars Bar. It just, it's just, it, it 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 finds a top and it says, "Let me see if I can vault over that." And uh, and there it goes. There is an entire sequence that makes zero sense where Hudson Hawk is in an ambulance. By the way, I was thinking I was talking about an ambulance chase and Cocaine Bear, but uh, he goes flying out of the ambulance on the gurney, goes through a toll, manages to pay the toll on his way through. I mean, that's the kind of movie that you're talking about. Um, you know, it's just it's it's nutso, it's it's gonzo, it has no pretensions uh to anything other than um you know Michael Lehman is just a weird dude. <laughs> I,
0: I I I can't say namaste to that, but I can say lameaste, which is the <laughs> lover of crap in me,
3: recognizes the uh, lover of crap in you. <laughs> uh, <lame-ass-tay. laughs> You need to make a T-shirt of that, Darren. Yeah, Maybe that's I a, shall. That's a, that's a great T-shirt. <laughs> uh, I I I can't I
0: can't agree with you on it, but I I certainly respect your uh, feelings toward it, and that's that's what makes this podcast great.
3: <laughs> yeah, you know, I I remember seeing this movie back in the day, and then once since then, and and enjoying it, and you know, I remember it got a lot of. Uh, grief when it came out i i I seem to recall uh uh, you know the aforementioned siskel and ebert uh, going to town on this movie but um you know i i I, it's fun it is fun it is like a live action cartoon and it's it's enjoyable to watch and and it's one of those that i've been meaning to revisit that's probably been 25 years since i've seen it (laughs) And um, Sandra yeah. Bernhardt and uh, Richard Grant
5: are in it, just completely right. unhinged, even for them, you know, with their little dog, Bunny, that like they've taught to jump up and bite people. Bunny, ball ball. I mean, it's just <laughs> crazy. Mark loves it. I can tell by the look on his face. He does. Look at him.
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh, all I can say is, I saw this movie once, and if I never see it again, it'll be too soon. <laughs> I, uh, now, I have to say, in deference to you, I did feel that way about the last action hero, and mm-hmm. I did see it again recently, and I actually liked it quite a bit more. I'd be shocked if I liked Tudson Hawk any more than I do right now, but it's possible. but um, uh, yeah, you should feel guilty. Man, that's a terrible movie oh. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I,
5: actually, I don't feel guilt at all. I will say about the last action hero and and i don't I think you're right. I think like. You know, with something like Hudson Hawk, it's uh, as Samuel L. Jackson once said about snakes on a plane, you either see, want to see that shit or you don't. Um, <laughs> whereas with The Last Action Hero, I think that there was far more going on in that movie than people gave it credit for. Uh, and, you know, it, it's something that doesn't necessarily reveal its depths to you until you've had time to sort of go back and look at it outside of the context of kind of the the marketing and the Arnold Schwarzenegger of it all and like the Happy Meals and all that other shit. Like there is just there's something on its mind. And Hudson Hawks, the only thing on Hudson Hawks mind, you know, is like, yeah, what's up, Doc? You know, I mean, that's <laughs> it.
1: I would watch Howard the Duck and Roadhouse 100,000 more times wow. than have to sit through oh, Hudson oh, Hawk again. Oh, oh. oh man. <laughs> wow. Um, but okay. To, to each their own. <laughs> That's the joy of the show, isn't it? Yes. Yes. <laughs> I'd be curious to see what the... I'm sure there are a lot of people who are going to agree with you who love that movie. We know people love Hudson Hawk. We're huge fans of Hudson Hawk.
3: Oh, yeah. It definitely I'd, has a cult following, for sure. Yeah. I don't want to know them, but yes, they are.
1: Um, <laughs> I just want, like a
5: quota. I know the. I know one guy, and no, nobody else needs to play it.
1: No, we have we are we we are, we had a friend who was obsessed with that. was huge fan. We we of of Hudson Hawk. So, um, and I, I could mention them, but I'm not going
3: to. I just want to okay. say I I know Dan Waters a little bit, and um he is a really interesting guy and he sees he more is. movies than any three people I know. I mean, he publishes these incredible lists every year of all the movies that he's seen. It's like four or 500 movies. Yeah. I love He ranks him. them all. And, yeah. and it's, it's, he's, it's just a fun guy. So wait, what's the point of this though? That I'm I mean, just, giving a, I'm so just really giving a shout. Just giving a shout out is. to Dan because I'm. Oh Dan, no, but that, I was going to say we to tell fans. a story about
1: him and Howard Hawk? I'm no. Howard Hawks and <laughs> you know, Hudson Howard Hawk. Hawks. Oh no, I thought you were leading to something. With, like, Dun- oh no. oh, about, oh that no, he said no. insightful about him writing Hudson <laughs> Hawk. Oh okay, okay.
3: Well, I, I would say that he probably you know drew from his in you know his encyclopedic uh, you know passion for film to uh, see that's what I was looking for the anarchic you know fun and games of Hudson Hawk. There you go.
0: Right.
5: And uh oh we lost well, Mark. Mark has conceded Thursday to us. So what are we going <laughs> to pick boys? What
0: else does Mark hate? Well, I, I, I think I think we can we can actually start to sort of wonder about Friday before we hear about uh, uh Mark's pick. Um, That's true since he can't hear it. Well, no,
1: he's back, I think. Oh, he's back. Here he
3: is. Are you back, Mark? Oh yeah, I'm just listening.
1: But you 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 froze. <laughs> so No, I was here the whole time. I just went like this
0: you did not. <laughs> well, in that case, it's time for Thursday. Yeah, it's Thursday. Mr.
1: Oh, Hamm. well, guys, have I got a pick for you? Okay. <laughs> have I got a pick? I got the perfect director for uh, Thursday. It's going to surprise you. It's going to delight you. It's going to horrify you. Um, it's just, The funny thing is, um, a piece of this puzzle that I'm about to lay out for you also is from 1984. <laughs> And it's very interesting that that seems to be such a resonant year for us. I guess after the joy and and delights of 1982, this was kind of the come down. So my pick. <laughs> you're bringing so you're much not gonna, bring down. <laughs> you're not you're not going to like this, guys, because I'm about to give you a double feature on Thursday, the Ken Russell double feature. Oh no, Crimes of Passion is the first film, and uh, some of you may recall the uh, his absolutely insane take on Belle de Jour, although I doubt he would admit it, uh, in which um, Kathleen Turner starred as a woman who was unhappy at home. So she became a uh, prostitute who would go to Times Square. And uh, Anthony Perkins, as an amyl nitrate-sniffing uh, priest was trying to uh, have her see the light. In fact, and... that was his character name, Emil Knight. <laughs> 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 and, and for those of you who are fans of Trexworth, Louise, the great Louise Sorrell That's is right. in it as Claudia. Um, this was a movie. This is right after New World Pictures got bought from Roger Corman by like a hedge fund or something. Right. And they were trying to be prestige. This was their idea of prestige. Kathleen Turner is China Blue in Crimes of Passion. And, you know, it's funny, I, I talked on the past uh, we, we, about the the, the the one sheets I had in my room as a kid it was um, Conan, uh, 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 Revenge of the Jedi and um, Psycho 2. But in my dorm room, I had Crime Story, NBC, and Crimes of Passion. <laughs> it may have had something to do with the fact that I worked in a video store and got for free but oh. um, but that was a great poster it's like Kathleen Turner you know as China Blue in the middle of the poster and this great font it was very this 80s neon so glow the- font but okay but Ken Russell as we know from Steve's pick of the Devils many, m- many moons ago uh, is just a totally insane director and in 1967 he made Billion Dollar Brain
6: spy on room service. My
4: brain says the hour is at hand, and my brain is never wrong. I love my country, and my dream is to make the thing I love strong. Strong!
1: dollar brain was the harry palmer film that goes completely off the rails after the brilliant ipc files and the even more cool funeral in berlin directed by guy hamilton he tells a story of a texas billionaire and a supercomputer since it's very relevant to today with ai and everything it's, it's harry palmer
0: um, and the philosopher's stone
1: it's harry palmer <laughs> the philosopher's Stone, and it is insane it's like what does, does this have to do with anything we've done before with Harry, this great character of Harry Palmer? It is the Moonraker <laughs> of the Harry Palmer trilogy, and um, you got two like sort of normal espionage movies, and then you have this what? insane, crazy Doctor Strange Love, nutty uh, uh, in the triptych. So my pick is the double feature of Ken Russell's billion dollar brain and 1984's crimes of passion
6: there are no secrets in the dark there is no act that cannot be committed in women in love he crossed forbidden boundaries in altered states he explored the unknown powers of the mind now he explores most provocative power of all a woman who lives in two worlds a man who must lose himself to possess her they are strangers they are lovers They are outlaws. But their crimes are crimes of passion. The star of body heat and romancing the stone, Kathleen Turner. Anthony Perkins creating an unforgettable role of menacing power. And introducing John Laughlin. Never before have two adults consented to so much. Crimes of Passion, the most talked about movie of the year.
1: All right. Well, I don't know about this
5: double feature stuff, guys. I mean, I think we should. It's a double feature.
0: It's a Ken Russell double feature. I think you got to pick one. You got to pick one.
1: Well, I, I can't. It's a double feature. <laughs> Don't you get it? It's Ken Russell double feature. Yeah. Well, no, no. You got to pick one. You got to pick one. What do you babies. think, Steve? Don't you see thematically how the two would go together <laughs> as a Ken Russell double feature? If you combine these two movies running times, it's still less than The Devils.
0: Mark? Um, you made up these rules. Yeah, Mark. I you, know. You need That's why I'm breaking them.
1: Okay.
3: <laughs> you want me to pick one? Pick yes. one. I'm going to go. I know which one I'd pick. You'd pick Billion Dollar Brain. I know. I would. I know you would. (laughs) I know you would.
1: I know. He knows, doctor. He knows. Um, It's tough because Crimes of Passion is really awful, but it's great. Billion Dollar Brain is beautifully shot. Oh, my God. It's gorgeous. And it's gonzo. And it's crazy. And I wouldn't say it's awful. I would say, but it is about a Texas billionaire that's trying to destroy the world, which isn't very far off from what Greg Abbott's (laughs) doing. Uh, So I think I'm going to go with uh, Billion Dollar Brain, 1967s, because there's too much 1984, too much 80s. Right, I don't want people you to think you can never have too much 80s. I, I i don't want people to think because we love the 80s, and I just the don't guys want them always to always win. I don't want them to think all <laughs> oh, these guys they're only treading in nostalgia. and Oh, Megaforce should be our Friday pick, but we'll get to that. Ooh. So, um, no, no one but, likes that movie. Come on, like but we like Barry Boxleitner and we like Persis Kabata. We like anyway. Cal- Barry Boxleitner, but I think like Barry, it, Bo- but we don't actually like it. <laughs> I guess I'm on Amal Nitrate now, apparently. <laughs> um I'm sorry. Have you do you remember the end of Crimes of Passion where Anthony Perkins is at the piano and he's 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 playing the playing the song at the end? And, and for for Kathleen Turner and right before she's rescued? You don't remember that. It's freaking nuts. You gotta see this movie. It's but anyway, billions uh, of so brain. I,
3: I, I rented that movie on VHS and and I remember the poster vividly that it was yeah. a very kind of sexy, almost like dirty poster. Yeah. Kathleen Turner. Um, dirty. Kind of naughty.
1: Turner. I don't even know her. <laughs> she Nodder. was great in that. I mean, people forget how amazing Kathleen Turner was. You know, I mean, it, and 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 she could do anything. I mean, you go from, you know, Romancing the Stone and Body Heat to yeah. Peggy Sue got married to Crimes of Passion. I mean, yeah. this is a really risky performance, but it's not my pick for Thursday. My pick is yeah. Billion Dollar Brain. So maybe <laughs> we should talk about that. Michael Caine, brilliant in it. Michael Guy Caine. Dolman, always fantastic uh, as Colonel Ross. Uh, he's kind of like the M of these films. Carl Malden is in it as a pal of Harry Palmer's who gets him into trouble. And of course, the great Ed Beagley Sr. That's mm-hmm. right. Is as the crazy Texas billionaire. So and if that's um, his
0: original ball, I'm Harry Palmer
1: but yeah if this if you you know if you're a fan of the harry potter films you've probably seen if you're not it, it it's so different than funeral in Berlin, which is like a really cool espionage movie if Fall, file which is sort of a sci-fi spy movie yeah um and billion dollar brain is just nuts so um my pick is billion dollar brain because you're not letting me have the double feature damn you but uh but it is what it is so we're just gonna go i'm gonna play by the rules Everybody get played by the rules uh, well, and uh, I'll take right. a billion dollar brain rules because we right. have from the animals because we still have to pick a well, Friday it kind of, movie. You know,
3: Friday. It, it kind of follows the trajectory of the Bond films at the time, you know, where it went mm-hmm. from kind of the more serious. And this is the more like, uh, you know, the, um, the you only live twice. I guess, of the, uh, you know, the Harry Palmer's.
1: You only live twice. <laughs> Billion dollar brain actually has a great main title. Yeah. You know, although it's interesting because the home video version, the first thirty seconds are cut because it opened with um the Beatles a hard day's night. And so right. they cut it from all the home video versions because obviously they couldn't afford to it's license it. It's
0: billion dollar
1: brain. I Billion for the. I mean, even the six million dollar man was only six million. This was a billion dollars. Yes, billion and that's just so the brain.
5: brain. It wasn't even <laughs> the whole
1: body. But it's very relevant because you can't uh, you spend a day without reading about AI and will AI destroy the world and what's going on with AI. And, uh, and I and wonder what chat Superman in a fight. Some people think it already has. You know what I'm going to do? <laughs> I'm going to ask chat GPT what it thinks of Billion Dollar Brain. Oh Let's my find God. out. gosh. Oh, Let's find out right now. Wow. Because from one supercomputer to another. I'm going you ask
0: what its pick for Friday is? Oh, okay. <laughs> you know what? happening. This is happening, yeah. people. Okay.
1: AI is going to replace us. 30 30 we're not podcast.
2: all AI.
1: Okay. I'm going to ask. week. What? <laughs> Do you think of the computer AI in billion dollar brain? The billion dollar
0: brain. For those of you who
1: don't know, ChatGPT is an AI uh which is taking the world by storm. Um and uh it can pretty much answer any question. Ah, except this one. Okay. <laughs> As an AI language model, I do not have the ability to watch movies or have personal opinions on fictional characters. However, I can explain that the movie Billion Dollar Brain is a 1967 British spy film which features a supercomputer called The Brain that is used for espionage purposes. It is important to note that the portrayal of AI in movies and other forms of popular media is often exaggerated or unrealistic for dramatic effect. In reality, AI is a complex and constantly evolving field that involves developing ag- algorithms and models to help machines learn and perform tasks that would typically require human intelligence so maybe it can't re- replace and it, that and so so never, basically
5: the question never, you just asked it was kind of racist
1: yeah
0: and it, it never would ever think of eliminating man from the equation now oh never i asked chat gpt
5: for the greatest guilty pleasure film okay uh-huh. and let me tell you what it said oh no it's difficult to determine the greatest guilty pleasure film of all time, as guilty pleasures are often subjective and vary from person to person. However, some popular films that are often considered guilty pleasures include The Room, 2003, <laughs> Brothers, 1995, right. Mommy Dearest, 1981. Ooh. By the way, this was my backup choice for Wednesday Flash Gordon, 1980, mm. and, uh, Roadhouse. 1988. oh my god Steve's
1: out of a job all we have to do is use chat GPT from now on <laughs> exactly to come up
5: with Wednesday and dirty dancing 1987 among others how is that a, a guilty pleasure it's not I a don't guilty know pleasure. because like uh, they're like, I I don't know anybody who loves Look, Dirty dancing because that does it,
1: has and apologizes for it it's because nobody com- puts chat DPT in a corner <laughs> it's and why because is computers don't do dance
3: yeah, yeah that's true they don't understand they, they, but they tough do guys a tennis don't shoes. dance either they they don't, do, in fact they, do wear tennis shoes. In they wear tennis shoes yeah
0: yeah
1: <laughs> well <laughs> let's let's see so for friday what is ChatGPT telling us
5: so it's well uh, it would it gave us I'd a few just a room showgirls mommy dearest flash gordon and dirty dancing i don't think now, we're gonna pick dirty dancing but i would definitely i would definitely go flash with
3: showgirls Showgirls. And showgirls. Yeah.
1: You're a fucking stripper, don't you get it?
2: I'm a dancer.
1: You got more natural talent when you dance than anybody I've ever seen. We're auditioning
0: tomorrow morning. I think you should try out. I
1: got an audition? Great! You're up there on stage, hoping on a spot. Someone gets in your way, step on them. Okay, ladies, I got one interest here, and that's the show. I don't care whether you live or die. I want to see you dance, I want to see you smile. I can't use you if you can't smile. I can't use you if you can't show. I can't use you if you can't sell. You can't touch
2: me, but I can touch you. I'd really love to touch you. I
4: love her here. She's dazzling, she's exciting, and she's what Las Vegas is all about. She's a
0: big star. You're not worth it. I hate you.
1: Showgirls is well, a great is a great one for yeah. Showgirls is a really great pick. I, I, I wonder. Plus, it has you know, Kyle right?
0: MacLachlan.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah. So it's yeah. Kyle, Kyle MacLachlan we here on the uh, <laughs> on the podcast. You know, what? Showgirls is a great pick because it's it's a Paul Verhoeven movie. Yeah. It's so much
3: over. The, it's so over so, the top. It's gonzo. It's
1: so ridiculous. I mean, it's all about Eve with.
3: With, with strippers, with strippers, Showgirls, right? Yeah. Showgirls. <laughs> I mean, it's, making
5: a bonkers with a rapist Mike. Kenny G.
3: Yeah,
1: <laughs> I hate. You know I mean? I, I hate that ending. By the way, oh right, I hate I, when the it therapist. goes dark at the end.
0: Hey, what? <laughs> the whole movie's dark. What are you talking about? Yeah. It's, very no, but it, <laughs> it's yeah. dude. It's
5: just you know.
3: Yeah, it just Paul turns into like true romance at the end. Yeah, <laughs> must be weird not having guys. Yeah. All the time. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's just oh my I god! It's so question. quotable. When did you first see it? Oh, I saw
1: it in the theater. Oh hell yeah, me too. I, did too. I saw it at the uh, Beverly uh, Center, and I remember that, that was the that that was one. Of I was those coming theaters.
5: soon to a theater near me, and right.
0: oh. a, f- a friend of mine was <laughs> one of the editors on it, and she uh, w- would it was the sweetest woman you'd you'd ever known, and you you would never imagine her working on this
1: movie, yet there it is. Oh, on one of my TV shows, I had a gaffer who was um, uh, the gaffer on um, Showgirls, and he had the best stories. I can't repeat <laughs> any of them, but he had the best was, stories. Was he the one Showgirls. who rigged
0: her to uh, Buck and Bronk in the pool like that?
1: <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Oh, my God. I mean, it was it was so funny because he would start telling Paul Verhoeven stories, and then Sharon Stone would start telling Paul oh, Verhoeven stories. <laughs> that was the best. <laughs> wow. I mean, that was just, that. I mean... I don't know, you know, the, the show, but it, it, we had the best time making it. I mean, it just, <laughs> night shoots were great because everybody would just be telling great stories. And oh my God, was uh. that, was the Paul Verhoeven stories were just crazy. And uh, yeah, Sharon could be, could be a lot of fun. And then the other thing she was really funny when she would tell stories about King Solomon's minds. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I gotta read that biography. Dun, I about that movie, dun, but dun. I honestly,
5: Damn, I wish I'd thought about that one because I loved that movie as a kid. And I mean, it's
0: not good.
1: Well, I was <laughs> going to push. I was going to push for Megaforce, but I would
0: totally go with Showgirls. Yeah, yeah, I, I uh, fully endorse that choice.
1: Thank
3: you, Chat APT.
1: Uh, and Steve, are you comfortable if we don't go through a list because I'd like to save them for when we return? Yeah, guilty no, it's Yeah, no, I, I
3: yeah, I, I. Showgirls is a great guilty pleasure. It's it's certainly one of my guilty pleasures i enjoy yeah. revisiting it uh, every once in a while it's got a terrific cast it's just so it's, it's... it brings pleasure and guilt yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's just so funny
1: because i mean literally like let's take all about eve and make it as a x-rated movie i mean it's like nc-17 by the bell yeah, yeah. And, and gina grishon and kyle oh, mclaughlin gina is great yeah, she, she, it, she is great. Know, it, She's legit it, like,
3: great. like we were talking about with Lynch, it also has this streak of earnestness in it. Yeah. Like people are just, wear their hearts on their sleeves and it's everything is just put. Even when no there's no sleeves. Else, but,
5: yeah.
3: uh... <laughs> <laughs> well, I know. And that's,
1: they take it so seriously. And that's what makes it funny. Although we could have saved this for NSFW week, you know, not so <laughs> for work week, but um, I'm sure there'll be. Movies not to watch with other...
5: your mom week. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah yeah well we have a, as we know we have a rather long list unfortunately um but yeah no showgirls is great and of course we're all huge paul verhoeven fans and this really um uh didn't him his career no favors i mean NGM, they, they, they put a lot i mean they really had high expectations for this yeah. film yeah i mean it got a, it got a, it was you know i think henry and june And then this came out, it was the only two big NC-17 movies and they really were trying to make that happen. And it didn't. Oh, well, it was not to be Sherry. (laughs) Um, So do we have a week? I think we have a week. I think we we do in fact have a week. And what a week it is, uh, (laughs) in case you've forgotten in the midst of all this craziness, uh, we're here to remind you, Steve, what are we watching on Monday?
3: Monday, Arnold Schwarzenegger goes on an adventure in Conan the Destroyer. On Tuesday, Darren Dockerman.
0: On Tuesday, we have uh, David Lynch's recording of Sex Farm. No, Dune. The
1: 1984 version. On Wednesday, Ashley Edward Miller.
5: On Wednesday, Bruce Willis and Danny Aiello would like to know if you would like to swing on a star and what kind of animal you would be
1: in michael Lehman's 1991 opus hudson hawk on thursday it's 1967's harry palmer opus billion dollar brain and on friday (laughs) it's time to party with the showgirls
0: chat gpt's first contribution to the
1: 430 movie but not the slowly being replaced guys (laughs) but when we do computer movies (laughs) you <laughs> know, will have to ask mm. on Starship SmackDown this year. We'll have to uh, uh, ask G- ChatGPT. Oh my goodness,
3: <laughs> the ChatGPT round. I wonder if <laughs> ChatGPT knows what Starship SmackDown is. Oh my Let's God. find out. Let's find out. <laughs> 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 oh my Let's God. See.
0: I don't think we want to know. There are some things that we shouldn't know. Well, I think we need to know. I uh, think you know, lord knows that uh, if chat tp knows about the uh, starship smackdown then we're first on the list to go when the
1: revolution comes <laughs> when the revolution comes that's right. about robot
3: rumble <laughs> yeah yeah that's right
1: um what can you tell us about the famous starship smackdown at san diego comic-con <laughs> here we go be very surprised by this response Starship SmackDown is a popular panel event that takes place at San Diego Comic Con, which oh is one of the largest pop culture conventions in the world. The event is typically held in one of the convention center's largest halls and features a group of experts, including sci fi writers, artists, and actors, who debate and discuss which fictional starship would come out on top in a hypothetical battle. It the knows, panelists analyze the capabilities and weaknesses of various sci fi starships from popular franchises such as Star Wars, Star Trek, Battlestar Galactic, and more. The discussion can get quite intense as panelists argue. <laughs> passionately for their chosen starships and try mm. to convince the audience that their choice is the ultimate victor. The event has wow. become a fan favorite at San Diego Comic-Con and it's been held every year since 2002. It typically attracts a large crowd of sci-fi fans who enjoy engaging in lively debates and discussions about their favorite fictional worlds. Wow. Oh my wow. God. That sounds like a great
3: panel. It does sound like a great panel. <laughs> it knows, fact, Jim. GT
5: knows a lot but doesn't know about the uh, the booze and the chocolate chip cookies.
1: Well, all I can well, say is- Well, that's
0: probably good. Uh, <laughs> my my
1: rec- does Miller have to say so much? All I can say is my regards to Captain Dunsel.
5: All we mackerel. Captain Dunsel. <laughs> 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 oh, wow. Dunsel weed. Everybody has to like, yes. get chat GPT to Mark, it. In, in that
0: instance, Captain Dunsell is you because you usually write those write-ups.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's true actually. M5 is alive. Oh, <laughs>
5: auditioning uh chat GPT to replace Mark on the Inglorious. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs>
1: wow. Well, there you go. If I resign, chat GPT can co-host with you. It just needs to have a um well, Darren can read it as a computer. I'm not reading nothing. Okay, so they just need to have a, well if they can a final draft can have a voice. There's no reason
0: that they the can chat it, GPT can have a voice. voice you know. They can pull the no. podcast out of my cold, dead hands.
1: <laughs> it'll be major barrett's
3: voice of course
1: okay well there you go what a great week guys uh once again we're extremely guilty but not uh, guilty. your wonderful true. week of, of picks um and we hope that you will seek them out uh accordingly based <laughs> on your own personal taste and interests and of course okay. we'll be back next week with an all new theme week uh until then we want to thank mark rivera for once again doing such a great job uh making us all sound so terrific we're, we're dead to mark for the wonderful job he's on the podcast and of course uh, peter holmstrom uh, for uh, picking these great clips. And of course you, the audience, for returning week after week and sharing your thoughts on Twitter at the 430 Movie Podcast, Facebook, and Instagram, where you can share your own guilty pleasures. And uh, we won't be programming them on Saturday. You were voted down because Darren doesn't care about you. But uh, right. you can still share your opinions and we'd love to hear them. And uh, you can also rate us five stars wherever you listen to podcasts. podcast. And we hope you will to bring other people to the podcast. But until next week, on behalf of Stephen Melching, Darren Dochtman, Ashley Edward Miller, myself, Mark A. Altman, save us the aisle seat. And until then, Eyewitness News starts now.